Hello, Leftwingers. Kathleen and Brandon here. We recorded this episode before we learned of Prince Philip's passing. We would like to extend our thoughts to the Queen and the royal family. I didn't need correcting. Shut up! Order! Order! Let's start off as we need to go on. We can see a better future. It's not a competition. Who can choke the loads? Hello and welcome to the Left Wingers podcast. I'm Kathleen. And I'm Brandon. In today's episode, we are going to talk to the one and only Tracy Braven, Labour's future mayor for West Yorkshire. We're going to chat to her about her campaign, what she hopes to accomplish when she hopefully wins in May, and how we can get more women into politics. Hi, Tracy. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to start on a light note. The pubs are due to open on June the 21st. What's the first drink that you're going to buy? Oh, my goodness. It's got to be, uh, I mean, boring Prosecco (laughs) to celebrate the good times. Yeah, of course. Yeah, no, that's a solid drink. That's a solid first drink. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good start to any podcast. So maybe a bit more of a traditional question for you, Tracy. How were you introduced to the Labour Party? How were you introduced to the Labour movement? Uh, great question. It was a bit rubbish, actually, my introduction into politics, because I was at uni and um, I was attacked in the street late at night by a guy basically tried to rape me. So this isn't a really cheerful way into a podcast, I'm afraid. But what actually came out of it was really brilliant, because in trying to understand why that happened, I got really involved with the women's movement at university. And in the 80s, it was really strong across the country. And to be in a room with just women, to try and work out what was going on, to understand the, you know, patriarchy that I'd never really got my head, you know, I'd never understood before. It it had never crossed my path. It really did lead me on a journey from university um, and women's groups into um, campaigning around Greenham Common um, and also for the striking miners' families, and then obviously being more involved in the labour movement. And, you know, my acting and writing career continued, but I was always active in the Labour Party and supporting candidates up and down the country in their elections and doing what I could. But out of a horrendous moment in my life, so much as, um, you know, started in, the, in that moment. So, of course, I'm not happy it happened, but in a way, the outcome was really positive. Okay, so why are you actually standing to be the mayor of West Yorkshire? What was the kind of motivations behind that decision? Well, after five years of being the MP for Batley and Spen, I've been in opposition, I became increasingly aware that decisions made in Whitehall and Westminster were being made without us. And they didn't really understand what they were deciding and the impact on our communities. So, for example, money for bosses or whatever, or cuts, and how that absolutely devastated some of my community. So it made me increasingly angry. And I've also come to politics later in life uh, from from a different sort of trajectory. 
you know, I'm not, you know, your average politician, but because I've come later in life to politics, I'm really impatient for change. So in opposition, it's tough to get things done. And we know that the election won't be till 2024. And I really felt that we needed change now, in not just in Batley and Spen, but across West Yorkshire. And certainly hasn't the pandemic laid bare the inequalities that have been baked in 10 years of austerity. So we needed a Labour mayor who was going to stand up for the community. But I've been an advocate for women stepping up into political life for many decades. And I was looking around to try and find a woman I could get behind so I could really, you know, be a champion and somebody who could win in difficult times. And it became increasingly clear that if we were going to win, uh, we had to have somebody with reach and cut through when life was so chaotic for so many people, you know, businesses going under, losing loved ones or being ill or whatever, you know, trying to get that message across about the need to vote in this election. We needed somebody um, with maybe, you know, not having that traditional background. And so I felt, well, I'm looking for someone. I'm going to have to step up myself. And certainly, you know, I know West Yorkshire. I'm from West Yorkshire, born and raised here. I'm I'm a proud Yorkshire woman. Um, And certainly I know that I can do actually, hopefully much more for Batley and Spen as the mayor than you can as uh, as an MP in opposition. You've mentioned growing up and being from West Yorkshire, but what's actually your favourite thing about West Yorkshire? Well, it's the people. We're straight talking, but we're funny. We're also very forgiving and inclusive. Um, I think Yorkshire women are particularly strong and often hilarious and incredibly witty. I also love the fact that you're often only half an hour from some fantastic blow your mind scenery, whilst you've also got vibrant culture and you know, very clever people in our great universities, great bars and restaurants and a sense of can do and the entrepreneurs and the innovators and the sense of real identity, you know. If you come from Surrey, I'm not sure you've got the same, you know, cut me and I bleed West Yorkshire um, running through you. Of course, we've got our great cricket, men and women and um, our diverse communities. It just brings me so much joy to have that great diversity of thought and uh, culture. It's a great place to live and work. And I'm hoping to become the mayor to be the advocate for the region. Wow, that's, a, that's an endorsement for West Yorkshire, if I've ever heard one. Um, if you could describe people from West Yorkshire in one or two words, like what, what would they be? If someone, you know, an alien came down and said, what are people like from West Yorkshire? What, what would you say as their advocate when you hopefully in a couple of weeks time become there? Straight talking, smart, warm. So just to move on, uh, I think, you know, all of our listeners know um, we, we all know how to door knock. We all know how to canvas. We've all been out there on the streets. And a lot of our campaigns in the Labour movement revolve around speaking to people face to face or that kind of a, a kind of interaction that's obviously had to change now because of the pandemic. How has your campaign changed? Obviously, a lot of stopping and starting. You don't know. A lot of times this year, we didn't know even if these elections were going to happen. Given the pandemic and what's happened in the past year, how have you managed your campaign and how has it changed? Well, that's certainly a great question. I think there will be books and theses about the first ever uh, British online campaign. And it was great to see Biden actually win through. I mean, they've obviously millions of dollars more money than us 
but the way that, you, you know, we're having to adjust, we're having to pivot to online. I am a people person. I love door knocking. It's one of the best bits of campaigning, having conversations and hearing people's stories. And everybody's got a great story. Um, I love big rooms full of people, you know, um, uh, big parties as well when you can celebrate a win. So it has been challenging. You know, this is a campaign like no other in a time like no other. Obviously, we've all had to get used to Zoom and, you know, over the phone, phone banking um, uh, and not being able to be in the room, you know, talking policy with activists has been frustrating. But I must say there have been so many young Labour members who've really embraced this phone banking approach in a way that I'm I'm so delighted. So we meet regularly where we're Team TB, we've got a real sense of family. Often there's lots of young people who are really lonely because they're in their own accommodation and don't see anybody. So we always have time for a chat and a gossip. Uh, we have um, prizes, we have drinks and funny hats, and, um, you know, we try and make it interesting. Uh, but it, it's really important that we, you know, get into those conversations with people and I would encourage anybody that's listening to this podcast please do check out the phone banks they are really good fun so you're on dialogue but you're on a zoom with with your mates and people who are on dialogue so you can chat in the chat box and you can gossip about you know somebody put the phone down on you or somebody was really great another labor win so it is a nice community also we've got MPs who because they don't have to travel it's helpful in a way so we've had Tulip Sadiq, Chion Wara, Yvette, Rachel just dropping by and supporting us on dialogue. Obviously social media is is vital so we've got fantastic young people who know their way around TikTok which is really helpful but um, you know it's really important that we also acknowledge that not everybody uses Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. We still have to have those conversations and we still will have to have print that goes into people's homes. And I I gather we can start leafleting this week. And I'm looking forward to soon going out to knock on doors because, you know, that human connection is so vital, isn't it? It is. It is. And you've completely sold Brandon and I. We are now members of Team TV. So there you go. I will be putting down links to Canvas for you in uh, hopefully in our episode description. And also Tracy has a fantastic social media profile. Some of those videos on her Twitter are really, really actually worth watching. But moving on to a slightly different topic, how do you think that we could get more women into politics as somebody who, you know, probably had quite an ordinary life and then unfortunately in your situation came into politics, uh, but used that women's movement and used that kind of uh, movement that we have in Labour to bring you to where you are now? Well, certainly there are many women I met during my journey into politics that have inspired me. It's International Women's Day, isn't it, as well, uh, coming up. So those it, it's always a time for me to reflect about the influence people had. There was a, an older woman, Nancy, in Christchurch in Dorset when I was working down there in a, in a play. Um, got to know her really well and she inspired me into the peace movement and then of course meeting Joe and campaigning with her and her saying oh Tracy you should think about a career in politics has sort of given me the it gave me the confidence when the Labour Party asked me to think about standing as the MP to be able to say yes immediately because I really felt that maybe this was my destiny this is where I was meant to be for this moment and someone had to do it and someone had to step up 
and represent their community and having that confidence to do it. I've only gained that confidence from the other women I've met in my life. So I have tried to do the same. I feel I'm a ladder dropper for women. Um, I mentor young women. I will always see young women for jobs when I'm interviewing. It's really important that we get more women into politics because actually, how do you change society if you're on the outside? You have to be, as that great Hamilton song says, you have to be in the room where it happens. And we need to get more women into that room. Of course, um, in my job as MP, I go into schools. I host uh, schools in Parliament. I uh, do events for young girls to uh, the Girl Guides are my favorite charity because of the work they do empowering young women and giving them confidence. I don't know if you remember um, Shouldergate where the dress I was wearing exposed a shoulder at the dispatch box. Twitter exploded with uh, vile misogyny. Anyway, I was able to turn it around and auction the dress for £20,000, 200 Uh, that went to the Girl Guides for the work they do on self-esteem with girls. So obviously, you know, I'm a committed feminist and I want to see more women into politics. But of course, there's always that secondary question, well, how do you cope with the hate? Well, to be honest, any woman that steps up is going to get hate. And it isn't actually about politics. It's misogyny, clear and simple. Uh, There are some men out there, and it's primarily men, I'm afraid, who will not be told anything by a woman and don't want us to comment or step out of our box and comment on the decisions they might have made or the life that they're living. So it's really important that we clear up social media and clear that space so that women don't feel they can't stand up and be vocal. But also we've got to uh, make it accessible for all types of women. And we've seen great steps in the last 10 years, a creche facility in Parliament available for MPs and their staff, the introduction of proxy voting. And this doesn't just help women. Of course, it helps new dads or new partners as well. Really important that they can take maternity, paternity uh, and carers leave. And recently, the government provided maternity leave only for ministers, mind. But uh, we'll be pushing and making the case. But if we are advocates for our constituents getting maternity leave and uh, paternity leave, I think we should also have best practice in Parliament. And so we need to make that case as well. So I've got some great colleagues and friends in Parliament who are making that case day in, day out. Uh, Harriet Harman is a legend. Jess Phillips, Stella Creasy. I'm I'm, uh, at at the foothills of these giants But I'm hoping that my selfie leave bill, which is about paternity for self-employed dads to be able to share maternity allowance with the uh, mums will mean that more self-employed families, both parents are able to continue their jobs. So we've loads to do, but certainly Parliament is a great place to try and get things done. Do you see like a change in how or or similarity in how you were treated as a woman being in politics and being you know as you're saying shoulder gate sometimes on the front bench and your work uh, as an actor in previous career in in slightly different things that you've done are there parallels or do you just feel that actually now that you've stepped into politics you're just getting a whole load of hate and a whole load of misogyny that you you were never you you never experienced before or or is it similar I I think there's really good parallels actually because both jobs acting and politics are great jobs for feminists because you're not defined by your partner. You're not defined by your boss necessarily. You're absolutely defined by the work you do. And that's a really strong place to be. 
if you're an if you're an actor in a great play and you you know you're doing great work you're valued for that and the same goes for politics of course there's the peripheral nonsense in acting you can get really rubbish reviews and it can really damage your self-esteem or not get the job you really thought you were meant for and you were good for and people can be critical of you because you're too tall you're too old you're too fat you're too thin you're not the right color you know all of that is nonsense and unacceptable and the same is true in politics but in a way I would say being an actor and a writer rejection uh, was part of your bread and butter you're always rejected you're rejected more often than uh, you know accepted so I think it gives you a thick skin which is very useful for politics that I never really feel that the the abuse I get is that personal because they don't know me And what they're doing is they're responding to what they see on the telly. And, you know, that's just a review. It's not, you know, it's not somebody that knows you and understands you and is just a way to be scathing. So, you know, it's I think it's easier to uh, let it go. And certainly in my very privileged position, I, I think it's important that I don't get too riled up by it. And so that gives me strength to kick back and to use my authority and use my voice and my power as a woman in a senior role in society to kick back against those misogynists because there are people for whom they don't have that authority. And there are women in the workplace who would love to say what I can say to their boss, but can't because they'll lose their job. So I think it, it, it behoves me to be very loud and proud about being a woman in a senior role. So I can, you know, I can support and encourage others who might not have that confidence. You talk about one of the things that you've done in your role is kind of leaving the ladder down for other people to come and join you on the front line of politics and to have a role in politics. But what advice would you actually give to somebody looking to get into politics who doesn't necessarily feel empowered and feel like politics is an environment that would be accepting to people like them? Well, I often think politics is just so exclusive, the word Because if you want a a zebra crossing outside your kid's school and you get a few other families to sign the petition with you, that's politics. Or if you are really frustrated that your much loved granny can't get to hospital because they've changed the bus route and you lobby the, you know, the bus company, that's politics. Or if you write a letter to the paper, that's politics. Anything that gathers people together to demand change is politics. So I I would say that it's never too late and it's never too early. And certainly in my community in Batley and Spen, there's a really uh, great young woman. She's a little bit older now, but at the time um, she was very young, Emily, and she used to walk past a disused building that was really dangerous on her way to school. So she wrote a letter to the newspaper, then started the petition, and then the council listened to her. She got her local MP on board, which was Joe at the time. And uh, the council then demolished the building. So, you know, these are political wins that are not even political. It's just about making your community better. And the only thing that's going to stop you from getting into politics, the only hurdle is yourself. And I would say, and I love going into schools and having conversations with young people. If you have a school council at school, ask them to bring you to parliament. So you can go on an educational visit. If you don't have a school council, why not? Set one up, talk to the head teacher. 
put yourself up for election. It's great fun. And even if you're not elected, it's great fun working out what you do. You know, would you put in a climbing frame? Would you, you know, have a different lunch queue? Would you have more vegetables at lunch, more fruit, uh, dance class after school? You know, those ideas, it's just fun to, to get them together. And then, you know, if you're a, a mom that wants to see change, just gather people around you. And that is leadership. It's sitting in your kitchen going, are you as miserable about this as me? Should we do something about it? That is leadership. So I, as an activist, obviously join the political party, but then get involved on the ground. So certainly COVID has seen lots of community activity. And I really want to thank everybody who's listening for the work that you've done during the pandemic, whether that's been, you know, supporting food banks or just making sure your neighbor's okay or getting medicines for an elderly relative. Whatever, you know, we've been doing is activism in our community, because if our labor values are real values about the community, that's what it's about making our community better. So stand for council. You're never too young to stand for council. We need more young people to stand for council to represent their communities, gather people together, uh, decide on a strategy of a couple of things you want to achieve. Be persuasive on social media. Make sure that you start to follow people you admire. Don't get sucked into political arguments on Facebook. It's far too draining and never changes anything. Um, The only change that happens is when you get out and about with people and then get others in power to change things for you. And also just make sure you speak to your MP. And I've taken on lots and lots of young students uh, during the summer for work experience, uh, just to sit in the office or do a bit of policy, you know, offer your talents. And whether that's if you're a filmmaker, offer your filmmaking talents to your MP. If you like writing, you know, write copy or if you're a good photographer, you know, offer to trail your MP for a couple of days. It's making relationships. Activism is all about relationships to make things better. But of course, the biggest thing is to speak up. And I know it's really hard, particularly for women in groups when all you can hear is male voices. But I've been in loads of Q&As when if no woman speaks in the first 30 seconds, no woman speaks all evening. We have to break the dam of the female voice and make sure that even if you ask a daft question, ask it early so that other women have confidence to then speak up because you do. everybody feels the same. Uh, all women feel the same. You don't want to be the one where everybody turns around and goes, oh, a woman is speaking. <laughs> so I think it's really important that we all just make sure that we help each other. And, you know, if it's scary, it's the beginning of the journey for you. And I look forward to seeing you all further down the line when I'm old and gray somewhere in my bath chair, reflecting back on my time in politics. You'll be able to uh, be able to pass on the baton to you young people. But honestly, just to reiterate, this campaign, the mayoral campaign, is a great chance to get involved in politics now, today to start to meet people, make those connections, make those friendships that will then carry you through campaigns and into politics. Because to be honest, those all those middle class, you know, privately educated, usually men in the Conservative Party, they're there because of the friendships they made and the connections they have. So while we might not have been to private school, 
or eaten or whatever. We can make our own connections through campaigning and activism and help each other um, get on and get in. So, you know, good luck and please do join the campaign. So you've spoken very intelligently about what your campaign is going to bring to West Yorkshire, uh, hopefully when you're lucky enough to be elected in a few weeks time. Um, what is your vision for young people living in West Yorkshire in the next few years? I think young people have really struggled during this pandemic. And I, honestly, my heart breaks for you. I've got two young women, my daughters, living at home with their mum and dad. One is 28 and one is 24. They don't want to be there. But the economies of the moment mean they can't afford, because they're both actors, they can't afford to move out. There's no security. There's been no work. Their mental health is it's tough. And I would say that the resilience and the well-being of the young people of West Yorkshire will be one of my most urgent priorities. So it's about training. It's about you know, encouraging people to understand they still have a future. It's about making sure that private landlords don't rip off young people, that you have homes that you can buy that are fit for purpose, that are green and clean and um, decent, where you can travel around the constituency across West Yorkshire for, for a fair price with a tap in, tap out, capped fair fair so you can move around and see your friends who live in other villages, towns and cities. Um, it's about also having vision and excitement and optimism for what you're going to deliver for West Yorkshire. I will be a champion, an advocate, an ambassador, and no more so than for the young people of West Yorkshire. We've so much talent here. And in fact, I've just come off a really well-attended Zoom of the tech industry across West Yorkshire. And they were saying to me, you know, we get loads of IT folk come out of university, but they're not business ready. We can't employ them. There's a gap there and an opportunity for the mayor to step in to say, how do we get you ready for work? You've, you've paid all this money for a university degree, potentially a master's. And now what? You're not, re- you're not work ready. There's something going wrong there. So how can we help you? How can we help you with your brilliant idea, your entrepreneurial idea, your innovation? We don't have enough money spent on research and development in West Yorkshire. That's something I want to address. And also, we know it's going to be tough for um, you to travel to Europe if you want to work or study. Something I could look into um, to try and make it easier, maybe some sort of exchange with other European cities, some twinning to make it easier. Because honestly, you have suffered enough. You know, college courses that were all online, really high costs and not a university experience, potentially forced to live with your parents. I mean, I'm sure you love your parents, but maybe it's not where you want to be you know, thinking all your hopes and dreams are dashed. It's honestly, it is not always going to be like this. And I'm hoping that West Yorkshire is going to be the magnet for young people across the country. When there used to be that sense that if you were young and you had an idea, you had to move to London. What I'm hoping is that with my leadership and the leadership of these great leaders of councils and with your input, 
that we can be the place where young people want to come. So just finally, just for example, all my experience in the creative industries, I know there's jobs, regeneration, skills in the creative industries. There's a creative recovery where creative young people, musicians and actors and dancers can work in our community and get a salary from social prescribing to support those people who've really suffered uh, during the pandemic, potentially with dementia or with um, mental ill health trying to support young people and young creatives, trying to, you know, making sure we have a film studio of the North, making sure that we we work with all our great universities to support those companies, those digital companies that are creating content and making this the go-to place for young people to have fun and to follow their dreams and to achieve. I'm afraid that's all we have time for. A big thank you to you, Tracy, for joining us. And a big thank you to you listening at home for tuning in to our podcast. If you want to support us, the best way to do that is by telling other people about us. If you know someone who might be interested in learning more about today's important issues, please send them our podcast and don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram if you want to get in contact with us or you can join our mailing list, the Left Wingers community. All links are going to be in this episode's description. Keep whinging and we'll see you next Thursday for an Earth Day special episode.